So, uh, yeah, like I said, or like Pastor Brent said, I'm Daniel, and um, I, yeah, I've been to this church now for quite a few years, um, about 15 or 16 years. So I've, yeah, really grown up in this church. I, I love it. So I just want to get straight into it. We're going to get right into it through prayer here as soon as I get this all logged in. And there we go. Okay. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day, God, that you've given us. Thank you, God, for this amazing opportunity to come together and worship you, Lord, and listen to your word, God. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this time that we have together. God, I pray that you would just work in the hearts of all of us by your word, God, and just fill us with your spirit as we see how you love us unconditionally, God, as we go through the parable of the prodigal son. Lord, I pray that you would just work in us, God, and work through me as well, Lord. And this is all to your glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, like I said, parable of the prodigal son. This is found in chapter 15 of Luke. Uh, this is verse 11, but we're going to be starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. The ushers are passing out Bibles. Um, and uh, as you're flipping there, and as I make sure I'm all set here, um, all right, I'm going to uh, kind of break it down how we're going to break down the passage, show a little bit of, a, of an outline. So first, I'm going to give some context. This is um, and found in verse 1 to 3 of chapter 15. Then we'll look at the parable itself, the prodigal son, which is uh, 11 to 16 is the son's departure. Then we have the son's realization, the son's return, and the father's response, the oldest son's response, and then the father's response to the older brother. So, let's get straight into it. Verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying. Now, here's the scene. Jesus is sitting and enjoying this time that he has with those around him. He's eating, he's teaching them, and the people around him consist of these sinners and tax collectors as well as his disciples and the Pharisees and scribes. Now, as Jesus is enjoying this time, the Pharisees and scribes, as per usual, get a little bit annoyed with Jesus. They're starting to see all these sinners and all these tax collectors, these unclean and unlawful people around. And they're like, why are, why are these guys here? These guys shouldn't be here. And they're poking and prodding. But Jesus hears them and responds to them in a few, uh, in a few parables to teach them some lessons. Uh, those lessons are that God loves and cares deeply for those who are lost and rejoices when they're found. Two, Jesus came to save those who are lost and invite others to rejoice with him over the lost who are now found. And three, the kingdom of God is different than what they thought it would be, as well as for the Pharisees are sinners too. Now, Rob did a great job already at looking at the first two parables of this chapter, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. These really show how much God's love is for those who are lost. He's willing to diligently seek them out. And when he does find them, when he does get them back, 
he rejoices. He rejoices greatly and he, it says also not only he rejoices, but the heavens along with him, the angels and everything. And he invites us to rejoice as well. Now, in the parable of the prodigal son, we get to see more of God's love and compassion for his people, for the lost, as well as those who have been faithful. So, let's get, oh, sorry, one moment. <laughs> and the way that he shows his love and his compassion or at least one of the ways, is he gives us free will. This allows us to have a choice. And we may make wrong decisions, but as you'll see, he is more than willing to forgive us when we come to him in repentance. Now, verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he, was gladly, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Okay, here is a classic example of a young adult being a young adult. <laughs> Not thinking that we know best. And as per usual, um, we don't. <laughs> so the son, in verse 12, he asked for his inheritance. And this wasn't wrong. Uh, it wasn't unlawful or anything like that. In fact, it would have been about one-third of his father's livelihood. Uh, as you see in the law, the older son would get two-thirds of the inheritance. little math, and you get the one-third. But what was wrong about it, what was the issue, was that he, instead of using this inheritance wisely, he went out wastefully living. This is what prodigal living means. It means to wastefully live. And... This he did by partying and uh, it says spending on harlots, which is found in verse 30, the brother says. So he was really just going his own way, not caring. Um, so all this to say is that he was really saying to his father, I wish you were dead. I, I want the stuff that you owe me now so I can do what I want to. But notice this though. And keep this in mind as we go through. The father, he didn't refuse his son's request. Now we'll see where this got him. Verse 14, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. Now, as uh, I read again, the prodigal son, he hit rock bottom. This young son hit it hard. And the listeners definitely would have known this when they heard Jesus say that he was in with the swine, in with the pigs. He was feeding the pigs. That means he was in their den, <laughs> in the sty. Now, if you don't know, according to the Jewish law, it, it's found in Leviticus 11.7, 7, 
pigs or swine are considered unlawful, unclean. You can't eat them, you can't touch them, you can't be near them. One of the reasons why is because of what they ate. What they ate was not grass. And as I learned, it's actually food scraps. It's not good stuff. It's disgusting. So these people would have known this guy hit rock bottom. And I've never been in a pigsty, but I sure wouldn't want to spend a lot of time there. So <laughs> I know where this guy's at and that it would not be fun. So this life of freedom, though, really turned out to be a lie. He tried to go his own way, but it didn't work out. And this is a very common lie that's been pre prevalent throughout the ages, even going way back to the 60s. Um, you know, <laughs> man, those people are old. But <laughs> no. <laughs> With all seriousness, though, we tend to think we know best. We tend to think that our flesh is the right way, that the way of the flesh is the way to freedom. But this is what the Bible says about that. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? This is Romans 16, 6. And what this is talking about is that we're going to be slaves to something. It doesn't matter what we choose, we're going to be slaves of it. Uh, even Jesus says that uh, before where he says, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven because wherever your treasures are, there your heart will be. It's this idea that when you follow something, you'll be a slave to it usually. And this is a choice of us. Who are we going to be slaves to? Because we can be slaves to sin, which leads to death, or we can be slaves, bond servants to Christ, which leads to life and ultimately freedom. This is important. And this, this also is seen here. Now, as we look at 14, the son was in want. It said being in want. And I think this is very important for the whole understanding of what this son's issue was, deep-rooted issue, is he was in want. And uh, many know this is covetousness. This is wanting something wrongfully and earning, yearning for it in, in an awful way. And you can see a greater description of it in uh, the Ten Commandments. It's the last of the Ten Commandments. So this is, is very serious. And many of us fall into this pleasure that our pleasure is of the highest priority. This was the priority of the son. And Thomas Huxley says, a man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do just as he likes. But Warren Wearsby adds as well, we are always heading for trouble when we value things more than people, pleasure more than duty, and distant scenes more than the blessings we have right at home. Now, Jesus warns two brothers earlier by saying, take heed and beware of covetousness. This is found in Luke 12, 15. Why? Well, Warren Wearsby adds again, because the covetous person cannot be satisfied no matter how much he acquires. And a dissatisfied heart leads to a disappointed life. Very true. 
Now, hearing this, you may feel like you are pretty disappointed with your life, that you've gone too far, that you're really feeling like this prodigal son, and it's maybe weighing pretty heavy on you. Well, don't lose hope, because listen to the hope that Jesus gives in this next section. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's the son's realization. He needs his father. And how did he come to this realization? Well, he reminded himself of the truths of his father. What did he do with these truths? He committed himself. He humbled himself and committed himself to forgiveness. This is important as those who feel lost or who are going through life. Remind yourself of the truths of the Father. This is important because it says in Romans that the goodness of God leads to repentance. And this is very important. And and you see this right here, that the Son was reminded of this. But you remember what I said about how the father didn't refuse his son's request. Well, this is why. is because God, out of his love for us, gives us free will. It's a choice to love God because if it wasn't a choice, it wouldn't be love. Sometimes God allows us to go our own way, to make wrong decisions, to mess up, because then we can remind ourselves, he can remind us that he is good that you see his way in a new light. And this is so important, and he uses his Holy Spirit to remind you of these things, to call you out. Like we looked at the parables before, he's searching. So he wants you to make these decisions. So he's allowing you to, to live, to, to choose. But in this choice, as I said, it's a choice you see, the son committed himself to ask for forgiveness. And you see it earlier, I will arise and go, and I will say to him. You may have these thoughts like now or, or before, man, like I need, I need to, to clean up my life. Uh, I want to ask for forgiveness, but I don't feel quite ready to ask. So I need to clean up my life beforehand before I come to God. But that's not the case. Actually, some bad news. You can't. There's, you can't do it on your own. You can't clean yourself up good enough. But, like I said, there's hope. Because in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you see here, you can't clean yourself up enough. It's by the grace of God. But to commit to forgiveness, to come to forgiveness, this is an act of your own will. That's what volitional means. Volitional means to act out of your own will. And this is important because, like I said, it's a choice to choose God. It's a choice to love. 
And again, in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's these two parts. One, God has done the work. He has given grace, and it's a gift. But two, you have to receive this gift. You may have heard someone, it's, it's a gift given to you, and it's all wrapped up nicely. You have to unwrap it in order to get the gift. That's, that's what this is talking about. So you, you see these two both working. Now, in hearing this, like I said, you may feel pretty burdened about coming to God in forgiveness. You may feel that you, there may have been some bad uh, things in the past, and you may feel like he, he's angry at you, that he, he's going to yell at you, he's going to despise you. You're not worthy to be called his son or daughter. But don't lose hope again, because listen to how the father responds. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and he- here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Wow. It's amazing the Father's love for us. This is amazing. And it shows here. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And as soon as he saw him, he had compassion. And he ran to his son. He wanted to embrace him and kiss him all over like your grandma on Christmas. He's really just waiting eagerly for you to come back for him. He was waiting for his son. Have you ever thought of that? That the God of the universe, the one who's above all, the one who's holding everything together, it says, everything, the Holy One, deeply cares for you and is eagerly waiting to hear from you. He wants you to come back to him. He's waiting open arms. And it's true. It said in David in the Psalms, your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. This is Psalms 40, Psalm 45, 40 verse 5. <laughs> God, our heavenly father, is thinking about you, us, every single day, constantly. It says in another psalm, more numerous than the sands in the sea. I don't know if you've tried to count sand on the beach, but I wish you the best of luck. You probably can't. He thinks of you constantly because he cares for you. He loves you. He's eagerly waiting for you to come back. And this far place It's not just a physical place. This can be in your heart. You may feel like you're far in your heart. But God, he sees you from there. He's not gone. You're not too far. And not only does the son get a great first greeting by, um, but before even 
he could finish his sentence. The father calls for a robe and a ring and a feast to be held. Why? Because he loves his son. Because God loves us. Read verse 24. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He loves us. Like Jesus stated in the parables before God, God, or before, God and heaven rejoice when a sinner comes back, when a sinner is found, when a sinner comes and repents. And just to remind you guys, we're all sinners. This, he is overjoyed when we come back to him. And not only that, he invites every, everyone to come in and rejoice with him. But don't forget this. He's not just excited because, you know, there's another check or another, you know, number. You're not just a random thing or a person. You're his creation. You're God's children. Like a heavenly father would, he cares for you deeply. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. So, here Jesus is, is explaining this parable, teaching this parable, not only to those who are sitting around him, the sinners and the tax collectors, but he's also teaching the Pharisees. And we see this more in the older son. Let's move on. Now, in his, now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and wouldn't go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Okay, well, (laughs) a different response. And the oldest son has many similarities to Israel, actually. Um, And especially Israel not really wanting the Gentiles to be involved with God and thinking that they're unclean and everything. And there's a, a lot to go into that, but I mostly want to focus on the application for us believers, not discounting that, definitely. That's a whole nother great study, but I want to go further into it. So it's easy to paint this older son as a really bad guy, as the bad guy of the story, but I don't think this is what Jesus was saying. See, in verse 25, the older son was in the field. This means that he was a hard worker that also in his response to his father as well as the father's response as we'll see he was faithful he he stayed by his father's side but that doesn't mean that he didn't have some faults the older son yeah he was hard working and faithful but he made some mistakes and and here you see some of it these mistakes though are he was instead of being overjoyed that his brother came and, and is alive, he was angry. He was even jealous of this party that's being hosted. He complains to his father and casts blame 
on his father, saying, you never. And also even insults his father's intelligence by saying, but as soon as this son of yours came, then you hosted the feast. But in doing so, he also is separating himself from his brother, saying, this son of yours, not my brother. And he's really saying, like, you made the wrong decision, bud. <laughs> and that doesn't really work out very well. This, this son was being pretty ignorant, actually, and pretty jealous of this younger son. But when you bring it back to the issue of sin, this means that he's no different than the younger brother. He sinned just like the younger brother. That, why? Because all sin is equal in God's eyes. It's a level level field. There's a saying, it's level at the foot of the cross. All sinners are treated equally in God's eyes. So, Jesus is trying to make a point to the Pharisees here, saying, you're sinners too. <laughs> the ones that I'm sitting here that you call sinners and you cast blame and tax collectors, well, they're the same as you, and you're the same as them. We're all sinners. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And remember that this applies not only to those at the time, the Pharisees, but this also applies to us in the faith who have been in it for a while. Sometimes it's easy to fall into the temptation that you're better than others. You're more holy than thou because you've been working harder. You've been faithful all your life. But don't be mistaken like the older brother because he forgot to love his father and to love his younger brother. Remember what Jesus said when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when you look into more of what neighbor means, it's not just the neighbor next door, it's those who are around you. All those, your brothers, your sisters. So don't forget that you need to show love to those who are either just recently found, who are just coming to the faith, and they're struggling. They're trying to figure out what this all means, and God is working in them. And instead of maybe casting blame or saying, oh, look at what these people are doing, or they haven't cleaned up their act, act yet, come by them and encourage them. Show them love. This also, don't forget to show love to your father. That it says your father is rejoicing, right? And I'd encourage you to rejoice along. But in hearing this again, you may think that this older brother has got it cut out for him. But let's look at the father's response. Verse 31. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is now found. Wow. Maybe you might have thought that things would have turned out a little bit differently. But the son, God didn't rebuke the son in a harsh and angry way. Just like the, the young son. 
In fact, in verse 28, you can see that the father's response to the son being angry, it says, therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Now, this word plead in the Greek is parakaleo. This means to call to one side, to beseech, to admonish, exhort, even encourage and strengthen. And as you may know, if you've looked at Greek, there's a lot of definitions of Greek, but all the definitions of this word are in the positive connotation. He eagerly wants his son to rejoice with him, to understand why he is rejoicing. This is very important. As we learn to love others as well, we need to follow in God's act of love for ourselves and encourage and exhort and call to one side and plead with them. Don't worry. You know, you're, it may be hard now, but keep going. God in his, you may have to rebuke and say, hey man, I, I saw that this was, you're struggling with this area. You can tell him the truths of God, but in a loving way because truth without love is hurtful. And love without truth is harmful? One of those. (laughs) So it's very important. This is the thing, that we can't forget why God wants us to love, why God wants us to rejoice. And he says this here to his son in verse 31, that your son, or sorry, to go back to it, God, he, you see this, this example of pleading and encouraging and exhorting because what he says to his son, he says, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. So remember as being the faithful older son, the hard worker, it may be difficult and you may be working and slaving hard and you're, you're really in it. And you see these other people who are being exalted and, and being praised and everything. And you're, meanwhile, you know, taking out the trash. But don't forget, God is with you. God loves you. And he's always, always there with you. And all that he has is yours. And really, that includes eternal life. Don't forget that. And this is what the father reminds the son, saying we, it was right to make merry and be glad because the son, his younger brother, was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. The father reminds this older son, please rejoice with me because this, remember, you are the prodigal son too. If, if you're in the faith, one time you were lost and now you're found. And God reminds us, don't forget about that. Sh- take that into account. Show love to those who are, wor- who are new, who have just come. Rejoice with God and let him do the work of Um, sanctification. Remember that we're we're all under his grace. And so Jesus in these parables is really showing how the Father's love is towards his children. Not just to those who are lost, but also to those who 
have been in the faith for a while, who have been with him for a long time, just like the Jews, just like the Pharisees. But in this, don't forget that you're all sinners too. We're all sinners, that we're all under God's grace. And this is important because he's inviting us all to rejoice with each other. God is eagerly waiting for those who are lost. If you feel lost right now, if you feel, I, I haven't been with God for a long time, or I don't know even who he is, like I said, don't lose hope. Please don't. Because before you see the Father's response to this, come back to him. He is so eagerly waiting for you. He wants you. He desperately does because you are his child. And those who are in the faith, who have been in the faith for a while, take joy and be a part of God's work. Encourage those who have just come to the faith. Strengthen your brothers and sisters. Don't fall into the older brother's mistake of separating yourself from them. Come with them and rejoice with them. Be a part of them. Plead with them. And if you don't know what I'm talking about eternal life, if you don't know what that means or even how to get it, Jesus is the way. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins. It doesn't matter how far you feel you've gone. You're like, no, it's unspeakable. I can't can't talk about it. It's, It's okay with God. God wants you to come back with him and he will work the process out. When you ask for forgiveness, when you ask Jesus into your life, it says he's, you're washed clean. In John 5, 24, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come to judgment, but has passed from death into life. So I pray and I plead with you guys as well. Accept Jesus into your heart. Please do, and you will have this eternal life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, again for your wonderful word, God, for your wonderful love. God, that you are waiting eagerly for us with open arms. God, that you're willing to run to us, God, where you see us. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to work in the hearts of all of us, God. Let your spirit be active in the lives of all of us, God, and continue to pull people in. Continue to draw people by your love, God, into you, Lord. I pray that you would just bless these people as they go on. Um, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us all. Help us to love you and love others. All to your glory, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Daniel. That was a great word, a great encouragement for us. Yeah.